0: The Smithereens were born in 1980, the very start of a decade of music that we all fell in love with. And in time, they too would add their contributions to our collective musical DNA. Tunes like Girl Like You, Blood and Roses, and Only a Memory. This month, we lost the voice of the Smithereens. Pat D'Nizio has passed away at the age of 62. This is Steve Spears, and this is a special edition of Stuck in the 80s. Joining me today in a reversal of what normally happens when we lose a musician from our beloved decade is my friend John Lamoureux, the host of a very excellent podcast called The
1: Hustle. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steve. It's an honor to be here, especially to talk about Pat and the smithereens.
0: Yeah. Uh, For people who who fall stuck in the 80s, uh, John and I usually hook up to do an episode on The Hustle, your podcast, and it's usually when somebody from the 80s passes away.
1: Hmm. So yeah, we've covered Prince and George Michael and Tom Petty so far. Um, it just seems like, as a fellow podcaster, when somebody dies who matters a lot, especially people like us who care deeply about the '80s, you would be the right person to uh, go to and kind of, you know, discuss the the legacy and the meaning of these people and what they, how they matter and their leg, and, you know, all that stuff.
0: Right, so I'm sort of a novice Smithereens fan. I've never seen them live. I know a couple of their tunes, but I know you're a hardcore fan. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit more about your podcast. Tell me about the kind, Tell the people who listen to my show who haven't heard you yet the kind of uh, interviews you've been doing over the over the last uh, several
1: months. Yeah. So the. The podcast is called The Hustle, and what it focuses on, uh, this is sort of my sales pitch. What is the emotional, psychological, and financial impact of brief rock stardom? So I seek out people who, um, you know, maybe they had one hit in the 80s, and how do you pay your bills for the rest of your life on that hit? Or maybe you managed one album, or maybe you were big for, you know, a few years, but it didn't last. I would say our sweet spot is probably around 1975 to 1995, although that's not a hard and fast rule. But I'm really interested in hearing the stories that don't get told as often of these great artists um, that, you know, that deserve more attention. And so I, that's what we uh, focus on, how they're doing, how they process the ups and downs of their career. And then I just want to hear some of their best stories and tastiest memories. Like, so some,
0: what are some of the highlights been over the last, uh, several months?
1: Yeah. So, um, this year we, we've, uh, we've had a lot of good ones. One of my very favorites was Fee Waybill of the Tubes. Talked yes. to him very early this year and he's an amazing interview. And he told stories that I've never heard before. He, um, told me the story about David Bowie, which I won't ruin for you. Hopefully people will go seek it out themselves, but it's just nuts. And, uh, earlier this year we talked to Marshall Crenshaw, um, We talked to Olita Adams, who was the wonderful black lady that sang back up with Tears for Fears on their Seeds of Love album. I just seek out people who, um, you know, are kind of different or we remember, but we don't know that much about. I want to know what they're like, you know?
0: Sure, sure. And how many episodes now have you been doing?
1: We've been doing this for two and a half years, and we are up to... 136 episodes, 155 if you count the bonuses, like when people pass away or something like that. Right. Um, yeah. So it's been fun.
0: So I have to ask you because we're talking about the Smithereens today, when do you remember first getting turned on to the band?
1: Yeah, that would have been on their second album, uh, Green Thoughts. The song Only in Memory came out. And then another track off that called House We Used to Live In. I went and saw them in concert at this time. I was probably 15 years old. I remember my mom had to take me and my friend Brandon Norgren to see them. And I liked what I heard a lot. And I liked the songs. And their next album, Eleven, which featured Girl Like You, was their sort of a bigger breakthrough. And I bought that and everything. They're one of these bands, though, that over the years I've grown to love and embrace more and more. And what the the downside of that with a band like The Smithereens is they went through a very big, long, sort of fallow period where they were not on any labels and they were not releasing a lot of music. And what they did release were these uh, covers albums of Beatles tunes and stuff. And I, I don't mean anything against that, but when you've got one of the greatest songwriters of all time and Pat... I don't want to necessarily hear covers albums. I want to hear what he has to say. And so my love for them was escalating just as their career was de-escalating. And I started to worry that I may never see them in concert or be able to really kind of indulge in my newfound fandom, which has been lasting pretty heavily for about the last 15 years. Well, luckily, about four years ago, they played a street fair here outside of Denver where I live. And it was free. And I went early and because I, I wasn't sure what to expect. And luckily, uh, Pat was just sitting there kind of by himself on the side of the stage. And so we started chit-chatting for a little while. And I got to tell him how much I loved him. And um, he signed my poster. And I just remember at the time, he, was, he wasn't feeling well. And he wanted bananas. I guess he needed... <laughs> He needed the potassium for the show or something like that. I don't know for sure, but he was sort of in a little bit of a bad mood because he needed somebody. He was asking for bananas and no one was bringing him the bananas. And I'll wow. never forget it. He, uh, at the time, for years, he was doing these um, house concerts where you could contact him and he would come and play in your living room. And I had emailed him through his website several times to try and set that up, and I never heard back. And so while we're talking, I said, Pat, you know, I've been trying to contact you for these house concerts. And he says, oh, let me give you my personal email address. And just as he's about to do that, he gets flanked by a bunch of fans. Oh, and no. whisked, Yes, and whisked away. And I never got to follow up. And it's I've regretted it every day for four years. Um, and now, of course, you know, it won't happen, unfortunately.
0: But... so. So where were you and how did you find out about Pat's death earlier this week?
1: So I was, uh, it was about 1130 at night and I was sitting on the couch. I was just about to go to bed. You know, that moment where you're like, okay, I'll just finish this last little bit of Colbert or something and then I'm going to go to bed. And um, I got one of those, you know, I got my iPhone and the little red number on the side of the Facebook app has a one on it and I'm thinking, oh, what's this? And uh, I'm a member of a Facebook fan page for the Smithereens. And it's one of those things where someone is posting on there like five times a day, you know, this is my favorite Smithereen song. And I normally uh, kind of ignore a lot of those. I don't need the extra um, things to look at, but for whatever reason I, I clicked on it this time and it was them announcing that Pat had died. And I literally in this moment, kind of slapped my head. You know, like you see in the movies when someone slaps their head, like I can't believe I forgot, whatever. I literally slapped my head and uh, I just kind of sank. I turned the TV off. I sat on the couch. I remember thinking at the time you should probably get up and go to bed. And then I thought, no, just take all the time you need to process that Pat's gone and you love him. And I played a couple of my favorite songs, just on my phone there for an hour or so and kind of indulged in the sadness and also the gratitude of it all in that moment. And uh, the next day was the word that keeps coming to mind is solemn. It was sort of a solemn day, you know, anyone who, and I must say one more thing for a band that I feel and lots of fans feel were largely taken for granted. The outpouring on social media for these guys and for Pat specifically is so heartwarming and I would think he would have to be tickled by how much attention he's getting now when the band couldn't get arrested there for a while unfortunately and uh, so I'm just so grateful that people are remembering the smithereens at this time
0: John, what do you think the attraction uh, is that
1: fans have to the Smithereens? The thing that keeps coming to mind are two things. Number one, they have a sound that, while main, maybe not you know mainstream commercial, it's and I always think of it as this beautiful darkness. And once that sound enters your bloodstream and you get it, you can't let go of it. It is a sound that may be. Uh, steeped or influenced in classicist songwriting like The Beatles and The Birds and even Black Sabbath. But it's unique to them. They're four amazing uh, musicians that stumbled on a sound, thanks to Pat, that no one has ever done despite their influences being bands, you know. So one is the sound just getting inside of you. And the other is that they are just regular guys. They are four normal working class, regular guys from Jersey. They never put on airs. They never became rock stars or bigger, you know, big for their britches, rock stars. So there's a relatability factor there to them with how they look, who they are, how they carry themselves and Pat's words about you know loneliness and broken hearts underneath all that dark beauty he 's really a sentimental guy, and um, you when you gain a taste for that, uh, it never goes away yeah one of the things that always struck me about them is i 've always
0: found them hard to categorize mm. when you when you if you go to Wikipedia or you go to the website and you read what what do the critics call the smithereens and you read labels like oh the you know, power pop or power rock. And I'm like, nah, no, that's, that's not. That doesn't seem like it. That's the the label. And then and then I turn on um, Sirius XM First Wave, and they're they're playing, and I'm like, well, they're not new wave either, but they're not not new wave. And then you switch mm-hmm. over to 80s on 80s, switch over to any any channel. It's like they sort of defy um, a label. Do you think that's? Do you think that's because of their Jersey background? Do you think that's because? the time that they came up um in the late 80s rock had seemingly kind of been smothered out by other forms of music
1: i think um part of it yeah i mean for the 80s they you know they didn't have a lot of synthesizers or saxophones, or these hallmarks of the 80s sound that we always go back to. They were different then. If anything, and this is proven to be true, they were more influential for what came later with grunge. In fact, Kurt Cobain was very complimentary of them and said that during the recording of Nevermind, they listened to the Smithereens' first album, especially for you, on repeat during that entire process. And so it's the bands that came later that seemed to take what the smithereens were doing and sort of enhance it. Now they went darker or they went heavier than the smithereens did. I don't know that a lot of those bands had the, the tunefulness or the ear for a solid pop hook that Pat DiNizio did. Um, Now on top of that power pop, if you want to call them that has always been marginalized. And to me that I've never understood that because it's the, it's the genre of music that seems like it should make the most sense and be the most appealing to the mass audiences, a three minute power pop, catchy rock song. What's better than that? And yet it's just never quite broken through.
0: Do you think that the smithereens might've been more successful had their hits come earlier in the eighties when MTV was still a factor in driving, uh, you know, a teenage
1: audience? That's a good question. And my answer is going to sound a little cold and I don't mean for it to, but I don't think so. And the reason for that is that they aren't the most telegenic group of guys. Um, You know, their Pat was going bald. The drummer, Dennis Dyken was going bald. Um, They were regular guys. They didn't have crazy hair. They didn't wear fashionable clothes. They didn't um, chase trends at all. And so when you have that in a decade that was known as much for the the style as the substance, and that's fine, that's what we love about the 80s. That's why we listen to Stuck in the 80s is to relive that time. Those guys were out of step because they were relying heavily on the song craft and the musicianship. They let that speak for them. And in an era when that wasn't the only voice you needed to hear from a band to get excited and get them on magazine covers and everything, um, it just didn't it didn't quite crack they had a couple of hits they had all the respect from the music critics they were influential but they never crossed over completely because um, you know they weren't telegenic enough I don't think for MTV and they didn't play games
0: it was long ago. it like yesterday. saw you stand the rain when I fear podcast the hustle I know you talked recently with their guitarist uh Jim Babchak What did he have to say about Pat and
1: his health and the future of the band It's interesting you say that and if I could. Um, I don't mean to sound like I'm being self promotional, but I had been trying to get a hold of someone from the smithereens for the entire two and a half years I've been doing this. And I've, and I've been trying to chase down somebody forever. And I finally got Jim to talk to me about six weeks ago. And we put the episode out and to think now that, that Pat is gone and we had just had a conversation about him. One thing that came to mind during that conversation was that. I noticed how deferential and protective Jim was of Pat and of the other guys in the band. Um, I had expressed my concerns over Pat's health, but he would not really elaborate. He said they were working on new music. Um, They were looking forward to 80s in the sand, which I know you went to, and uh, doing more touring in the new year. An interesting story about this protectiveness. A few years ago, a car company used the song of theirs, um, Blood and Roses, on a car commercial. And they used specifically Jim's guitar solo. And they paid the smithereens $250,000 to use that song. Wow. But but Jim didn't write the song. And so Jim wouldn't really get into details, but he said, I never saw any of that money. And I said, well, are you saying then that Pat did? I mean, somebody had to see, see that money. He said, I don't know. I just know I didn't see it. And which... You know, it reminded me that these bands are oftentimes... They're like families. And maybe there's drama and weirdness and messiness going on behind the scenes, but they have to, at the end of the day, protect each other. And uh, he he just wouldn't go there um, at, in any way that wasn't ultimately respectful of Pat.
0: Well, let me ask you this. I mean, you, you know the band well, and, and you're, you're a member of the Facebook group. So you... I know we know at this point in time, as we record this podcast, we're not yet aware of the official cause of death for Pat, but what, what do you know about his health?
1: I mean, what, what problems did he have? Yeah. So uh, um, as, as best I know, about 15, 20 years ago, he broke out in hives and he had a really severe breakout and he took, they they pumped him full of steroids to fight off the hives. And he had kind of an adverse reaction to these steroids. And because of this, he gained a couple of hundred pounds. Wow. And yes. And so his health had been in decline ever since then. Um, now, I saw them in concert, thankfully, about. Three months ago, I think it was in September. And when I did, Pat came out on stage. He had to be helped, and his arm was in a sling. And um, I mean, I've seen them a couple times recently, and he has—he was big, but he could still move around and play the guitar. But at this last show, he couldn't. And he told us in the audience that he had recently fallen off a bike. I think if you, for his own health, he had bought one of those bikes with the giant wheels. Um, I don't even know what they're called, but he had been sort of pedaling around his home in New Jersey and I think he fell or got ran off the road or something and it did nerve damage and so he couldn't raise his arms and it was so sad because like he would want to drink and one of the band members would have to hold a, you know, a glass of Pepsi with a straw in it up to his mouth so that he could sit from the straw because he couldn't lift it himself or he had to be helped over to a music stand that had a drink on it, you know, propped up to his height. So he could kind of wobble over and get a sip and then wobble back to the to the uh, microphone. And one thing that's really eerie, an extra layer of eeriness about all of this is that Saturday night, if you follow Pat and the smithereens on Facebook, Pat made this really jovial, jolly post on just Saturday night saying, hey, guys, it's your old friend, Pat lead singer of America's band, The Smithereens. And he just wanted to let everyone know that he's getting the best medical care he can. And I I've, I know people are concerned and I've heard so many um, well wishes and and get well soon. And I just want everyone to know I'm getting the best care I can and I'm hoping to be back out there very soon and things are looking good. And then uh, what, three days later, two days later, he was gone. Yeah, wow.
0: You mentioned the 80s in the sand. They, they were intended to be like one of the, the headliners for that show down in Punta Cana in November. And I know a lot of people who were there. I mean, obviously we, we knew that, that the band had canceled all their remaining tours, you know, on the advice of doctors. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't just, um, was in the sand that missed out on them, but it was, you know, it was probably, you know, a half dozen other shows. Um, it was, it was, it was touching that a lot of people I talked to said, you know, that seeing that they'd never seen the smithereens and this was going to be their chance to see him. And it, You know, they were hoping that maybe they'd be back, you know, for 2018.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was, uh, it's really sad. And I had, one of my listeners was at 80s in the Sand with you. And he had told, let me know that Jim, the guitarist was there and that he was going to get up on stage and, uh, you know, maybe perform with others. But because Pat wasn't there, they couldn't do it. And uh, I just, I'm so grateful. First of all, I grew up in Salt Lake City and bands don't come through Salt Lake City. And so the fact that the Smithereens did back in 1988 was a big deal, And but I only knew two songs back then. And so, you know, I grow up in Salt Lake, I go to college at BYU, so I remain in Utah. Bands like the Smithereens are not coming through town. Thankfully, as I've lived in Denver the last uh, 15 years or so, these guys have come through a few more times and I've been able to finally see them and they put on an amazing show. But if I were one of those people who hadn't been able to see them or had been become a fan over these last few years, as times were tough, uh, I'd be brokenhearted. I can only imagine how they must feel
0: for the the fans that didn't get to see them and who probably are only aware of maybe a couple of the the more famous hits. What, what song would you tell them to listen to now, you know, to get to know the band a little bit better?
1: Yeah, my, well, first and foremost, if I can put in a plug, They have one of the most perfect single disc greatest hits packages of all time called Blown to Smithereens. And it's like 15 songs or so, and they're all perfect. So, it would, uh, and it's probably a buck used on Amazon. So go out and get it. Uh, I have two favorite Smithereens songs. One is the second single off of that um, uh, Green Thoughts album, and it was House We Used to Live in. And the other one is an album track off their first album called Alone at Midnight. And talk about beautiful darkness. It doesn't get any better than this to me.
0: Well, you're not the only diehard Smithereens fan in Stuck in Eighties Nation. I got a letter an email sent to me just about a day after the news of uh, Pat's death. And I'll read it now. It's from a uh, Stuck in 80s fan, Jeff Messer. And he writes, Steve, a few weeks ago, Brad and I exchanged Facebook messages about a smithereens tune from 1991 that had been sneaked into a transition on an episode. And now I write to you after being hit with the news of tragedy in smithereens land. I just had to share my feelings in the passing of smithereens frontman Pat D'Anezio. More than any of the other fallen icons of our youth, the news of D'Nizio's passing that greeted me on my phone on the early morning of December 13th hit me like a brick wall. This one was personal. While I enjoyed and admired Tom Petty, George Michael, Glenn Fry, and Prince, I loved the smithereens, and that love is anchored to my high school days in the 80s. It must have been my senior year, 1988-1989, when my friend Donald handed me a cassette tape. Donald had been a senior when I was a lowly sophomore and he had taken a shine to me as an underclassman and we became friends. We're still friends to this day. When it came time for me to graduate, he wanted to prepare me for an adult world ahead and he wanted to expand my musical taste beyond Huey Lewis, Phil Collins and Steve Winwood. He thought I would enjoy the smithereens and he made a cassette tape with especially for you on side a and green thoughts on side B two albums that easily fit on a single cassette, which I still have somewhere. Donald was right. I was captivated by the high-energy rock that sounded old-fashioned while simultaneously sounding fresh and new. When I got my first CD player for Christmas in 1989, those two albums were among the first to be purchased, followed by the new Smithereens 11 album, which really put them on the pop map. As with any band I love, I was all in and followed them from that day forward. I have their Christmas album, their Beatles tribute albums, the iTunes live albums, and all the rare gems in between. Of all my favorite bands, however, I have never seen them live. Now I never will. This morning I put on Green Thoughts, my favorite album, and I listened to its magic once again, but this time tinged with a deep sadness. 62 is far too young. Pat had been struggling with health issues since the late 1990s, so it was not as shocking as it might have been, but still, it stung. I hope that the world rediscovers the band, and I hope that we can all surround ourselves with the crunchy, jangly, Jersey garage rock that set them apart from every other band of their time and beyond rest in peace, Pat. You never know how much you meant to this high school senior. As I marched headlong into a world of a soundtrack of your songs, we still have all your music still stuck, but also sad in the eighties. Jeff Messer. Wow. I can relate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they're definitely a band that, um, I mean, they turned people on. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think um what will the band's future be at this point?
1: Well, I'm afraid I'm afraid it's probably done. I mean, they were barely hanging on as it was because of Pat and his inability to, you know, travel too too much and was and limited, you know, physical functionality. Um I know that when I talked to Jim, he had he has Bunch of solo songs he's excited to put out. He and De- and drummer Dennis Dykin have both put out solo albums in the past. Um, but as far as the Smithereens continuing, I, I don't know how they would do it. Um, however, having said that, these guys are working class guys. I mean, one of the things that is cool but also sort of breaks my heart is that drummer Jim or uh, guitarist Jim Babjack has a day job, he works in a bank all day. And uh, i I hate to think that my favorite guitarist is work has to work for a living he should be able to just live off being awesome forever but he can't and so these guys being scrappy working class guys may find a way um, maybe some kind of you know annual tribute thing where someone you know a series of people like uh, Marshall Crenshaw or Glenn Tilbrook or Robin Zander or, Graham Parker or some of the other guys who were friends of theirs and toured with them come along and, you know, play some of these great songs every now and then. I would love to see that. I hope it's true. I hope they can. I just want them to be happy and be able to pay their bills because they deserve it. John,
0: for people who are looking to to check out the the hustle podcast, where should they go?
1: Well, you can find us on iTunes. If you just search for The Hustle or whatever your podcatcher is, uh, we're at thehustle.podbean.com. You can look for us on Facebook. We put out episodes every Tuesday. And um, like I said, we try to my recommendation to people who are new to the podcast is to go into the archives and look for names of bands that you recognize. And um, chances are there's a lot of them, especially to an 80s crowd like this. Start there and see if you like the style and you like the things that we talk about, and the questions I ask. And if you do, then keep digging. There's a lot of really good stuff out there.
0: Thanks, and I really appreciate you helping me out. I am, unlike you, a very new Smithereens fan.
1: I'm envious because you have a lot of wonderful music to get uh, acquainted with.
0: And so then here's also one of Fate's cruelest tricks. You fall for something and then it's gone before you can truly enjoy it fully. Will we ever hear new music from them? We don't know. I may have to be content to continue exploring a catalog I'm only just beginning to know. After Pat's death, I went looking for interviews that he gave over the years because I wanted to learn more about him. I wanted to hear his own words about what he created, and I found a really nice read from the LA Times back in nineteen ninety. Pat was talking about the music business, a business he was just beginning to enjoy the success in, and he said this, quote, I love it. It beats picking up garbage like I used to do. We're self-employed beyond the fact that we get to do what we love for a living, unquote. But at the end of the interview, he admitted that doubt provided him with most of his motivation. He said, Fear is my constant companion. How many melodies are there left in the world? But I've forced myself to embrace that fear. I have no choice. I am a professional songwriter and a member of a band. But what could be better? unquote nothing could be better thanks for all you gave us pat you once wrote these lines they're as true today as they were in 1988 if the sun doesn't shine anymore it won't matter much to me as long as you're here by my side i am free i am free